Hello, you're listening to Our Walk, the podcast that speaks to real people with real stories about a real God. My name is Luke, one of the hosts of the show, and this week in our third podcast, we're talking to my co-host, Steve. We split these podcasts into three parts, and that is background. What is this person's background? Where did they come from? What was their family like? What was it like growing up as a child? Part number two is when they met God. What happened? How did it all come about? And part number three is what has happened since you met God? What's changed in this person's life? We're going to find that all out very soon on this podcast. So, Steve, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm enjoying life. Awesome. I, last, so, last week you um, presented a game that everyone could play while listening to the podcast during <laughs> yeah, my Christian talk. Christian and non-Christian version. That's it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder how people got on with that. Um, so, I'm trying to think of a game we could play here. Uh, so, I don't know. Every time you laugh... Oh, no. Well, I'm quite a laughing person. (laughs) That's why I brought it up. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Every time you laugh, people have to read a Bible first. We do promise to you, our viewers, that this isn't going to happen every week. This is just a bit of banter between us hosts. I just felt like I need to get some sort of payback from (laughs) you bringing up something that I was quite embarrassed about in our first podcast. So, anyway, with all that out of the way, Stephen. Yeah, oh, full name. Yeah. Yeah. We're interviewing you this week. Mm. So tell me, Stephen, what was, your, what was it like growing up in your head? In my head? Yeah. Well, my head was a nightmare, <laughs> didn't I? So um, I was born 26 years ago. My parents met in a church. They were both very young. They were 20, 21. Wow. Uh, and my dad moved to Reading where a year after I was born, so I kind of dotted around the place for the first year of my life because mm. Dad had just graduated, and or no, he was doing his third year, right? And my mum was working and kind of looking after me and all that kind of thing. So, were you born in Reading? I was born in Farnborough in Kent. Oh, okay, uh, but moved to Reading when I was about one. Yeah, and fast forward a bit. I basically my mum took me and my brothers to church. I've got three younger brothers. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest, and obviously, and <laughs> and they laughed, and so my mum took us to church, and my dad isn't really a churchgoer. I don't totally know what my dad's situation is, right. but he always encouraged us to go to church. His parents run their own church in London, and they met in a church, so I'm sure he has a faith of some sort. Yeah, and I came to last spring when I was very young. And was kind of went to the Sunday school, knew people, was kind of just grew up as part of the church. Mm. Um, but never, it was always very much a mum's bringing me, got nothing better to do, I'm just going to go along. Right. <laughs> um, it was never, a, you know, I didn't believe for a very long time. Okay. So when you were going to church, like you said, you're in that mentality of like, oh, I've got nothing else to do and mum's bringing me anyway. But... Were there any standout moments in your younger childhood that stand out for you about 
like from going to church or anything like that? Like, was you ever impacted in any way by like encountering God in a or anything like that? Mm, not in my <clears throat> young childhood. No. Not you know. I mean, the first time we'll come on to this later. But yeah. the first time anything remotely close happened was probably when I was about. 14, 15. Oh, okay. Uh, otherwise, I was just a bit of a... I'd go, have a bit of a laugh, be a bit cheeky, mm. kind of have fun, enjoy myself, be yeah. around people. Um, because I wasn't the most sociable of people outside of that kind of environment. Okay. I didn't hang out with my school friends a lot. I, I used to blame it on living far away from school. So we live like three miles away from school I wasn't a very active child so even though I could have cycled I hated cycling so I just didn't see my friends yeah so I spent most of my childhood kind of playing on computers playing on a website called Neopets I loved that <laughs> website and I you know was just spent a lot of my time doing that kind of thing and on PlayStation and all that kind of thing that was kind of my social that was how I would choose to spend time yeah was playing games and kind of losing myself in that kind of world mm. and so church was a nice little here you go actually speak to people and interact with people mm. uh, so yeah that was kind of my childhood and as I as I said I wasn't the most active of people so obviously I wasn't a skinny child either right and that was a issue in school obviously because people aren't very kind in school so I, I wouldn't say I was ever bullied necessarily because yeah. I always got told I was too nice to be picked on which I never understood <laughs> never ever understood that right? I can, no, I can um, imagine that but I, people would like push me and go oh you're too nice to be picked on but my weight issues did mean that I always had this self esteem Kind of, I'd always basically. I remember uh, literally until I was about sixteen. I couldn't walk down the street without thinking that people are looking at me and judging mm. me and thinking horrible things about me. And I would just walk down the street. I used to work at Woolworths. My first job when I was sixteen was I used to work at Woolworths. I'd walk down the street and I'd just look at people and kind of go, "Oh my gosh, everyone's thinking horrible things about me." Mm. And that's obviously not a healthy way to live. And I covered it up very well because people, you know, mm. would always say, you're too nice, blah, 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 all that kind of thing. But I would never let on that I had those kind of thoughts in my head. Yeah. And I guess when you're in that mentality, that's going to make you stay indoors even more because you don't want to go out. You don't, you know, you're scared of what people are going to think of you. Mm. So you don't socialise even more. Yeah. I mean, is that a thing? Like yeah. You just... yeah, yeah. There was a... And, I mean, even the clothes I wore. So I was... You know, I like to listen to Panic at the Disco. I mm. had the worst hairstyle ever. And I'd, <laughs> I'd straighten my fringe and gel it down and then fluff up the rest of my hair mm. for some unknown reason and would, like, listen to kind of My Chemical, Ro my Chemical Romance, all these emo kind of, kind of stuff. And my favourite clothes were really baggy, grungy jeans and all this kind of thing. So I literally was kind of just covering myself up, any opportunity. And actually one kind of thing that really sticks out and I've needed forgiveness and healing from was when I was walking home from school because we used to walk home from school so that was a 40 minute walk two miles home I had to cut across this field up near a school nearby uh, mm. near my house and I was walking across that field and some girl who was older than me from the the other school 
came up to me and grabbed me by the scarf of my neck and kind of shouted like, ah, oh, you scumbag, and kind of just shouted in my face oh, right. for no reason. Yeah. And I literally, I got home and cried, and that stuck with me for ages. And I don't know why, because she didn't necessarily say anything personal, hmm. but it was just a moment that kind of solidified in my head, oh my gosh, everyone is thinking horrible things about me. Yeah. So during that time, you said that you sort of played it well in the fact that no one would have known that you were going through these thoughts and uh, emotions. Did your family know? Did anyone in your family? Were you open to your family about that? No. I, I've always used like jokes and laughing and all this kind of thing as a cover-up for any, anything, basically. Right. Um, so if there's an uncomfortable conversation I've got to have or... I don't feel very comfortable, I'll make a joke or a laugh or I'll kind of do something to get the attention mm. away from how uncomfortable I am. So, yeah, and I think it was just really affected me. Yeah. Uh, and obviously it's kind of made me who I am today. Mm. But, yeah, it's one of those things where... I And looking back, I didn't really realise what it was doing to me. I was just kind of living that life and it was kind of who I was and how I dealt with things. I didn't even know. I was just doing it without real life. You know, I didn't think, oh, I'm feeling really low and not thinking good things about myself. Therefore, I'm just going to laugh all the time. Like, that's not what I was thinking. It just happened. It was a natural reaction to things. But right. obviously no one at church was horrible to me. So it was kind of a little nice safe haven to escape to. Oh, yeah, definitely. I bet. Um, so growing up where... You quite were you close with your family, like with your brothers and um, your mum and dad. Like, yeah, you don't let you didn't let them know how you were feeling or anything like that. But were you quite close or? Uh, yes, I would say yeah. I you know I love my family to bits and yeah. I would do anything for them. But I you know Im I would always talk to them and all that kind of thing, but never emotionally anything. Yeah, I I just I don't personally from memory I don't remember going home and going oh, mum, so-and-so was really horrible to me and I don't know how to cope with it. That mm. wasn't anything I ever did. Yeah. And my brothers, again, I get on really well with my brothers. Mm. Uh, we're getting closer now than we used to be because I'm at least six years older than my next brother. So yeah. there's a really big age gap. And obviously when I was 16, the next one was 10. Yeah, so yeah. there wasn't a lot going on, you know. So I, I, would look at, I looked after them, I would play games with them, I'd be there for them all the time. But it was never a, anything I could share with them, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I guess as well, like when we talked, uh, when I was talking last week on the podcast, I said that I had that typical middle child syndrome. I guess with you being the eldest sibling, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but maybe you had that mentality of, uh, or that sense of responsibility, where maybe you wouldn't have told them any of that stuff because you felt like, oh no, I've got to be sort of, an example yeah, yeah. to my three younger yeah. brothers there, you know and I think strong. especially with the the age gap as well I did very much feel like a I always I've been a brother and I would never say I wasn't a brother but I yeah. did almost feel like those three were within six years together so they're all two years separate oh, right. between the three so yeah. they're all quite close and I'm a big gap away hmm. and so I've always felt responsible you know and I I mean I <laughs> I would go, oh, I bet you can't get me my laptop charger from upstairs in less than 30 <laughs> seconds. And then they'd run up and get it for me, you know. It's yeah. not working now, unfortunately. But 
Yeah, but I'd always feel responsible. I would always kind of initiate the games with them because I would always see myself as, you know, I'm the older brother. Let I'm here to look after you, entertain you, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Which was very different from, obviously, my non-home life where I wouldn't take that responsibility because I'd kind of shirk away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of <laughs> it's course. It's totally different. Wow. Okay. Right, well, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to... Find out, Steve, when you first met God. So, Steve, you grew up in a Christian family. You're going to church every week, but you're only going because your mum made you go. Like, it wasn't anything that you truly believed in or anything like that. Uh, you also grew up having these low self-esteem issues and not socialising with many school friends or anything. So tell me, when did you meet God? <laughs> um, that is a long story. <laughs> so I would say I used to go to Youth Alpha. Youth Alpha with the Life Spring, they used to do Youth Alpha quite a lot. <laughs> I would go to that and... People like James Hollands, Dan Hollands, James Anderson, all these kind of people would help me. They were a, a bit older than me. They'd be there for me. They'd look out for me. And they were great. You know, I'd like, I'd look up to those three. Kind yeah. of like, oh, you're so cool. They say mate all the time. Uh, <laughs> which I'm definitely sure is why I say it all the time now. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> it does. Yeah. But I, I would say the first time I actually met God would be on a weekend away with the youth mm -hmm. and I can't remember what year it was but I was sharing a room with these two guys that were James Anderson was one of them and Ben was another guy a bit older yeah um I was going I'd worship all that kind of thing and then I literally burst out crying and I have no idea why that was the first time I'd ever cried like, not ever, but, mm. like, in that kind of context of yeah. being in a Christian place. I burst out crying, shivers down my spine, I just really kind of flushed all all this stuff that I'd obviously had piling up on top of me. Um, and I was like, oh, man, oh, my, my, my. And it was amazing, up, like, 10, 15 minutes, and then it was like a break, and then we'd go for dinner later or something. So I went back to my room, and the first thing that happened was I kind of went, Oh, I can't believe I cried, man. That's so not cool. <laughs> yeah. And I went back into the room, and these two older guys were like, "Oh, are you all right, man? You're all right." And I was like, "Yeah, I can't believe I cried." I'm like, "No, that's a really good thing." I was like, "Whatever, it's not a really good thing." I cried. I'm like, 14, 15, That's not cool." Uh, so that was kind of, I would say, that was the first time I met God, but I didn't understand it at the time. Right. Okay. So, and the youth leader at the time was kind of, he kind of noticed things in me and changes that were kind of happening that I hadn't noticed myself. Yeah. And he said, you should get baptised, Steve. You should get baptised. And I just kept pushing back. No, no, don't want to, don't feel ready. All this kind of stuff. Mm. Around 16, 17 time, I, me and my friends uh, started to go out drinking. So we, I had a really tall friend and he would buy alcohol and we would go to Wicks Car Park and sit in Wicks Car Park and just drink. Mm. That, like, we did that and that's what happened and we got drunk and then we'd go home and wake up the next day and then I'd go to church with a hangover oh, and right. cover it up and all that kind of thing. Mm. And 
oh, I would go to a small group, uh, you know, living two lives basically. Yeah, on, yeah, on the yeah. Friday, Saturday, I'd go out and drink underage. Shouldn't have been doing that. Mm-hmm. And on a Sunday, I'd go out to church. Yeah. Like hungover, all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I was living two lives. And if I'm honest, I think at the time I was thinking, I can't get baptized before I go to university because otherwise I'm not going to have any fun. Oh, right. So when I then ended up going to university, obviously it was then kind of established that I enjoyed drinking and would drink a lot. So I went to uni and very quickly just that was what I did. I you know, I did some work when I needed to and yeah. I hung out with people and all that kind of thing. But drinking was very much the focus. Like when are we next going out for a pint? Mm. When are we next going to have, you know, all this kind of thing. And I think, I guess that was also uh, an emotional thing because it kind of ended up being a self-esteem kind of, it confidence booster, right? You know, oh, yeah. Dutch courage, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So we spoke about my self-esteem things earlier, but when I was drunk, obviously I didn't have any of those yeah. and I just feel on top of the world. So the first time I ever kissed a girl was when I was drunk in a club mm-hmm. and... You know, it was I just it just happened, and I'd go off and get drunk and have a whale of a time, and not have any idea that I had limits, that my what my limits were, mm. <laughs> or any of that kind of thing. <laughs> and that was kind of you know I worked and did uni work when I needed to. Uh, people at my uni, the church. I went to a church because I considered myself a Christian at the time. Yeah. And I went there, they got my number, they'd invite me to things, but I, I mean, looking back now, I was so rude. Like, so rude. <laughs> right. They'd invite me out to things and ask me if I'd want to help out or all this kind of stuff. And I'd go, yeah, yeah, or not turn up. Or, yeah, I'll help. And it'd be late. And, like, all this kind of... And yeah. it wasn't intentional, but it was no. just really... I wouldn't say it would have been intentional. Like, knowing you now, and I knew you back then as well, maybe I didn't know any of this stuff at the time, but like rude is just not something that comes across my mind when thinking about you and I'm pretty sure like anyone listening to this podcast that knows Steve they wouldn't think you were rude either so yeah that's quite quite yeah. interesting so mm. um I I then obviously graduated three years of uni and going out drinking and working in a pub which didn't help because you'd finish a shift and then have a couple of drinks afterwards yeah. and I you know I was never an alcoholic or anything I could go without drinks it's fine mm. but it was just that was how I enjoyed myself I didn't think of anything else as as fun as that you know oh let's go to the movie great great let's go enjoy that movie going out for a pint afterwards yeah mm. and it's that kind of thing came back from uni and was working in the pub and just got a bit so fed up I've graduated I've got a degree I shouldn't be working in a pub all this like bravado kind of in my head yeah and I ended up getting a three month internship with a guy called Phil Crichton who is now the editor of the Wokingham paper oh right wow and it was just me and him Mm -hmm. and it was a Christian publication and we worked together nine to five for three months and Mm. I became really close friends with him I got to interview people like Christians, high-profile Christians, like someone like Jeff Lucas, who's quite high-profile and all this kind of thing. And while I was there, I then managed to go back to church because I couldn't work at church when I was at the pub because I'd finish at four in the morning. Mm. I would then go, I'm not going to church the next day. So I had a gap 
of church from when I went to uni to about 21, so four-ish years. Four, wow. Kind of, I'd show up every now and then, but I was not regular mm. at all. And then while I was there, three months, it was every Sunday, and I'd go. And I would, I'd kind of stop drinking then as well, because I kind of realised, oh, I'm a Christian, and I shouldn't really be, all this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I'd still do it every so often, go to church. And then that three-month internship finished, went back to the pub. Six months later, got an offer at a charity... Uh, happened to be a Christian charity oh, and right. that Christian charity needed a reference from my church saying that I do go to that church I am a member of that church mm. and they asked Nev the pastor here for one and he came back and went well he does come here but I don't really know him very well <laughs> Which, it's for like fair enough totally fair yeah, enough yeah, yeah. Um, my mum was working in the office at the time so she actually did the reference kind of for me so I ended up getting this job with this charity mm. And at this charity, they had lunchtime prayers every day for half an hour as the office. So mm. every day for half an hour, they'd go into an office and pray together about the charity, things in the world, things people might be struggling with like in their personal life, you know, that kind of thing. And being in that environment, you know, that I'd say that was the, the, the internship and that job were two definite moments where God kind of grabbed me and went, you're coming back to me yeah, and yeah, kind of yeah. pushed me towards him, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so from working in that charity, I then started going to church more and more. I got myself in a group. I was already kind of in a group, but I got really involved in the group mm. and all this kind of thing. And I, the, the real moment, I've been building up to this for a long time, but the real moment that I actually encountered God and knew it was definitely God and that my life had to change was after it was probably about a year or so in this charity mm -hmm. and I'd been going to sell I'd been asking loads of questions I was in a great group with these older guys who were really welcoming accommodating would answer all my questions and you can imagine a 21 year old with questions about Christianity would have quite deep questions yeah. as well as most yeah, basic yeah. level mm. and they were really accommodating and uh, I went to Spring Harvest in Minehead, which is like a Christian festival. Yeah. I went there with my work because I had to go there. I kind of said I'd go. They sent me all this kind of thing. And we were there one night worshipping and the song Spirit Breakout mm -hmm. came on. And again, floods of tears. Out of nowhere. You know, it wasn't anything I was predicting or expecting. Just totally whoosh out of nowhere. Blew me away. And the most amazing thing and I'm convinced this is totally God is the keyboardist that was playing in the band on stage stopped playing came down off the stage walked right up to me in the middle of it must be thousands of people in this tent like marquee thing wow yeah um, I was quite relatively near the front but to the side so it wasn't yeah. obvious yeah and he came up to me and was like I think I've got a word for you can you come with me round the back Right. So we went behind the stage yeah, yeah. and he just put his hands on me and went, I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but this isn't the end. Wow. And when he said that, I was in a place where I was either going to throw it all in and just go, ah, oh, screw this, I'm not doing it anymore. Mm. Or, yeah, I'm going to do this, full on, all the way. And I was really on the fence at the time. I was going, oh, it's too much effort, it's too much stuff that I'm not allowed to do and stuff I feel guilty about so if I give all that up 
you know, the Christian side of things, mm. then I can live my life, enjoy life, and not have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. That word said, no, no, you're going the other way. You're giving the other stuff up, and you're coming to God. And so that was the second time I really encountered God, burst into tears, had this guy come off the stage and say, this isn't the end. And it wasn't the end. That's amazing. And that's, it's, it's quite awesome how the first time, so you said you were at this weekend away when you were younger and you burst into tears. I'm assuming it was during worship. You said. Uh, it was during ministry time or something. I can't really remember. Oh, right. Okay. Um, there you go. It, you know, quite similar situation like you just burst into tears, you know, but all this stuff in between. And like you said, these, that three month internship and then starting your job at this uh, charity and stuff both help you get you to that place where you, um, obviously this guy pulls you around the back and you know, he says this isn't the end. That's amazing. Um, so during that time when you were going out drinking and stuff, obviously at the time you, you don't realise it, but looking back, how, how was you feeling during that time? Like you said that that it was you know getting drunk was a cover up for your low self esteem issues yeah. and stuff. It made you feel confident and bold. But was there any sense of numbness, of emptiness as well during that time? Yeah, I yeah. It was mm. look. I was kind of at uni, and there was it was just a whole bunch of confusing stuff because it was. I kind of had this mixture of, oh, I need to be, I've, I'm better than the grades I'm getting. Um, yeah. And, oh, I'm really proud of myself. Look, I downed a litre of vodka tonight. Not downed it, but, like, I got through a litre in one night. Yeah. And so I was quite proud of that. And a few of my friends had girlfriends and partners, and I was a bit like, oh, I could do that. Kind of, maybe, could I? Oh, I'm not so sure. It was just a real confusing time, I think, every... Well, yeah, I think it is for most people who go to uni. That's why I just sort of asked the question for, like, if there are any people listening that are going to uni, you know, just so, you know, if they're feeling a bit empty and stuff, they can relate because, yeah, you know, like I said, at the time you don't realise it. You're getting drunk, you're getting wasted, and you're thinking, yeah, I'm on top of the world right now. I'm full of this confidence, this boldness, blah, blah, blah. But looking back on it now, you must see that, oh, yeah, it wasn't the best of life, but how was I feeling during that life? You yeah. know, and then you look back and you must feel, well, I wasn't feeling great mm. about myself. I wasn't feeling great. At, no. I mean, mm. and the thing is, people might think it was peer pressure. It wasn't peer pressure because I would be the one going, hey, are we going out? You know, I wouldn't always say that, but mm. if something wasn't happening, I might go, hey, anyone up for going out tonight kind of thing. So it wasn't peer pressure. It was kind of a group kind of effort of all of us kind of just up and going. And, um, and I, there's nothing I can say bad about those guys because I'm still friends with a lot of them now. Yeah. And we still hang out and chat and go to the pub for a couple of drinks and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think at at that time, it for me, it was a bit extreme looking back on it. I didn't realise that at the time, but yeah. now I'm looking back and going, that was a bit extreme. Could really, you know, I could definitely have got a better degree than the one I got. I could definitely have made more long-lasting friendships and just done better I mean also drinking all the time and eating kebabs all the time wasn't good for the whole weight issue no, of so that so, actually yeah. just got worse rather mm. than anything else so yeah it was just not a good few years mm. really um, I kind of just remember coming back when I started coming back to church and looking around going so many new faces who are all these people you know like someone that I went in my same year at school 
she'd met someone that got married in the time that I was away and I came back and went who's this guy yeah. like really confused <laughs> by everything so mm. yeah um, also being at uni like in the first part of this podcast we explained like your uh, relationship with your family and obviously you're quite close with them but you didn't let them know any of the uh, emotional problems you were having as a child were they aware of any of this stuff happening like your parents or your brothers like they knew I was a heavy drinker because right. uh, I'd put it on Facebook all the time and mm-hmm. I'd wake up hungover they, I'd come home and throw up mm-hmm. uh, I had a few house parties before and during uni like when I was back home things were broken they came home from the weekend they went to and there was um, sick on the front lawn and you know I mean it was very obvious I wasn't hiding like I was trying to hide it but not doing a very good job of it yeah. um, so they knew but they kind of I'm not even sure they might, they probably said things to me, but I totally just ignored it. Yeah. You know, so did you distance yourself even more away from them, like being able to talk to them about anything? Yeah, about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was very much, a, for me, it was a very surface level kind of, I'll talk to them about things that are easy to talk about, mm. and any more difficult things I'm not going to talk about. Right. I'm actually still pretty bad at doing that. I'm working <laughs> on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we're always work. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely like that. You know, I'm working on opening a bit more to my parents, so I completely understand with that. So yeah, but it, it, it's amazing how you know God has taken you from that situation and put you in to this uh, three month internship and then this n- new job as a charity worker and. Like you said, he he's basically pushed you and been like, no, you're going in this direction, you know, when that guy, you know, leading you to go to that uh, concert and that guy giving you that word. That's absolutely amazing. People so, will say it's a coincidence, but it wasn't. No, yeah, exactly. No, that's definitely, you know, it's so evidential that that's God working there. So, yeah, well, thank you very much, Steve. We're going to have another quick break. So Steve, you had all this life of sort of kind of dipping in and out of being like a Christian and stuff like that. Like you grew up in a, church, a Christian family, going to church. Uh, you had one weekend away where you encountered God for the first time, but didn't do anything from that. Went to uni, was getting drunk, uh, partying a bit too hard, not living a Christian lifestyle. Then this concert comes up and this guy gets down, who was the keyboardist of this band you were listening to, comes down and says, I have a word for you, this isn't the end. And you took that in the sense that, okay, I'm going to have to live this life for God, you know, not the life that I feel like I should need, it's like, this is the life that I'm going in. So from that, you make that choice, and what what happened? Well, I think from there, I well, it had kind of all been building up to that moment because of the group I was in and the questions I was asking. Yeah, I just got really, I was really inquisitive, but then I got mega inquisitive and was actually reading my Bible and worshiping, listening to more worship music and all that kind of thing. So from that moment, I kind of thought, okay, well, I can't ignore that. Mm. and took things a lot more seriously then I you know I made sure that I was coming to church I made sure that I would not miss a single group 
I made sure that I would like reply to people and all this kind of thing and mm-hmm. kind of consciously thought if I'm going to Christian I can't keep going out and getting drunk like that yeah. and I can't keep turning up to church hungover and I can't go to work and go to a prayer meeting and feel like it's okay to have been hung over over the weekend you know like all this kind yeah. of thing and uh, you know people people will say getting drunk as a Christian is okay and that's totally up to them but for me I thought I can't I can't do that. That's mm. too double-minded. Um, and so I basically... Yeah, it all just built from there. From that moment, I just got more and more involved in the church. You know, I just felt more needed... Well, I needed to do more in the church. Mm. One, to keep me in the church, but two, to make better friends, to just find out more, to surround myself with people that would help be beneficial for me and guide me toward Jesus. So I signed up for all kinds of serving things at the church and just threw myself into things, basically. And the I think to get me to where I am now came from going to Uganda with a few people from church and just seeing the church there and how hungry and how happy and how servant-hearted they were and how powerful their prayers were you know they're like until that point I'd kind of prayed and kind of gone oh you know yeah okay and these guys were praying like powerful you know Pastor Fred is a very powerful prayer he is yeah it just really blew me away the whole week well 10 days like really rocked me and mm. I was reading this book called I think it was something like God's Strategy in Human History or you know quite an in-depth theological book because that's kind of what gets my engine working yeah. um, and I was asking questions of Pastor Nev who was there and he was like I'd be like oh well okay and I, you know we had some good debates and mm. everything but I came back and then like probably three months later he invited me to join his his home group um which for me was totally out of the blue i had no idea that was even a thing yeah one i felt far too baby for it yeah yeah um i'd only got baptized so i went to uganda in the april i think i got baptized in the march right and i got invited into nev's group in like the june july i think i don't it it was a while you know i don't know i didn't write notes and keep a diary or anything no yeah but i think it was like that kind of time around that time yeah and came totally out of the blue and i was totally like no way can i do that one i'm not a leader of any kind Mm. um two i am way too young and three i'm you know i'm i'm too new i don't really know anything uh and so i just prayed about it and kind of felt like do you know what there's a reason he asked me yeah and I kind of got to say yes kind Mm. of you know so I then joined his group and then meeting him and 11 other guys every Thursday for however long it's been now and that has really helped me in the challenges yeah like personal challenges to live a life that Jesus wants us to live Mm. and it's not I don't feel pressure from our pastor to feel you know to be holy and all this i feel pressure and kind of convicted in my spirit yeah to be living a life that jesus would be proud of that jesus wants me to live yeah, yeah. and you know i think it's just come on leaps and bounds from there really you know i remember i did uh bible in one year a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and that 
you know, actually sitting down and reading the Bible, I was like, oh man, there is so much in here. Yeah. Did you know there was a talking donkey in the Bible? But, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. all this kind of thing, you know, it was just so much <laughs> that I had no idea about it. And mm. I just really like was blown away by it. And for obviously from being in the pastor's group, he then asked you to do more and mm. run a cell. And so I have been leading my own group with these teenagers and really kind of trying to help them to come to know Jesus and mm. get involved in church life and all this kind of thing. And it's just come on leaps and bounds. And I think when I look back and look at, so my childhood with the, like obviously so low self-esteem and then my drinking issues. And I think from there to where I am now, I've come so, so far, you know, and no, definitely. Yeah. I feel like I've actually got something that the world might want. Yeah. And I never used to feel like that. You know, 15 years ago, when I was 11, I felt like the world just didn't care. Yeah. who am I? And now I feel like God has said, you're my son, you've got a lot to offer, don't beat yourself up. Mm. And I do still beat myself up a lot. You know, I'm getting married this summer. And... I, yeah, <laughs> and I have said to Amy quite a bit, you know, I'm sorry, I'm working on it, there's a lot of esteem issues here that I need to work on, and, you know, she's understanding, but mm. I think it is a bit annoying for her as well, and so I have come a long way spiritually, I've come a long way emotionally, I'm more happy to talk to people about my emotions now, mm. uh, not entirely comfortable, but m- better than I used more to be. More comfortable, yeah. Um, you know, I am consciously making an effort to be around my family more because I used to kind of, without realising, kind of just go out of the house and not even doing anything bad, just go to my friends or go do church stuff or yeah. something and I'd like just not be home. And You'd I'd rather kind of, spend time with your friends than your family. Yeah, yeah. My, well, my friends and my church than my family. Yeah. And I kind of realised that's totally not right. That's mm-hmm. the wrong priority. Family should be above that. Mm. And so recently I've been prioritising family and doing those kind of things. Yeah. And, I mean, going really recently, we went to Bogota a couple of weeks ago, in fact, yeah. uh, just for our church conference thing, and the my, my heart has been set on fire. Oh, yeah. Because I've had periods of fire, I've had periods of excitement, I've had dips. Mm. And not, not crises of faith, but just like, oh, like real slog it felt like a slog kind of walking through treacle sometimes it felt like oh my word this is so difficult i'm being challenged all over the place i can't you know oh man my friends are just doing what they want they have none of this guilt kind of in their head or conviction or any of this kind of thing Mm. and actually that's not what god wants for us he doesn't want to feel like that and he says you know my yoke is easy my burden's life Mm. all that kind of thing and i think i've actually taken that on board recently and when we went to bogota i really saw or i encountered jesus and saw a like twenty thousand people that love jesus and were living for jesus and that really set me alight and that's amazing and my life is changed yeah no definitely like because you you always you you like challenge don't you you know you like challenging yourself like you said you know you 
when Parsonev came up to you and was like, oh, do you want to join my group? That's a challenge in itself, you know. It's like, wow, the pastor's group, really? Mm. You know, the fact that you made that choice to, yeah, no, I'm going to do this, you know. Um, I think, like, going to Uganda as well. I've been to Uganda as well. And for me, that was a bit of, like, a mm. challenge because, obviously, it's quite... It can be quite a rural place and you don't really know what to expect and stuff. But, you know, I completely agree with you with the people over there. It's quite an experience for Christians to go and see, you know, their faith and the fact that they're so hungry. And then you, like, recently just got back from Bogota, Colombia. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've been there as well and coming back with that fire, that passion and stuff. And I, I can see that within you, you know. And knowing you these past years... It is seeing you from these challenges grow in these different areas, you know, and grow even more in your faith and stuff. It's it's really empowering. Um, so going back or to the these years then that you, you become a Christian, you commit yourself to it, you know, and you're challenging yourself. Up until now, what kind of challenges or struggles have there been, if there have been any, uh, well, there's been, um, obviously the drinking thing, mm. having decided that I can't keep doing that. I slip up every now and then because it's easy to do that when your friends are still kind of, you know, they're nowhere near as bad as they used to be, but I'm still very good friends with them all. Yeah. I love them all to bits and I don't really have a bad word to say about any of them, but they do like their drink. Yeah, yeah. For me, having decided that I don't really want to get drunk anymore that can be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Um, and also being in pastor's group, I do feel like I need to be setting some sort of an example because mm -hmm. I don't want people to look up to me. Like, I genuinely, I'm a cell leader and I lead the meetings sometimes, but I still don't see myself as someone that people should look up to. Mm. Even though I know that people tell me that they do, you know, like people in my cell say, ah, oh, you know, you're all this kind of stuff. But I'm like, don't look up to me. One... I don't feel like I should be. And two, actually, you should be looking to Jesus anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. so, yeah, the drinking thing, I, I'm i definitely, you know, I can't remember the last time I got drunk now. So mm. uh, that's definitely improved. Um, the other thing, there was just a, a thing in my family that just caused a bit of a issue and right. difficulties. And, you know, I've had to work and pray and just be with my family to kind of get through that. But again, God, God's so good. And mm. he has supported us and healed us and helped us to move beyond and kind of come through to the other side. And I really think, you know, God's been there for us and it's been amazing. You know, he's, I, he's just so comforting and people say about being in his presence a lot. And do you know what? The more you pray, the more you listen to worship, the more you worship, all this kind of thing, it just brings so much peace and calm and joy. It's you don't get that from anywhere else. And before, I tried to fill that with drinking. Now, no way. Steve, there's quite an interesting fact that it's something that I always forget about us. Is that when I was around 12 I think I think I came to your was well I was coming to your cell with my yes. brother yeah and it's something I always forget because you know we're we've both matured in our own ways now that 
like you were someone that I looked up to in the sense that, oh, look at this older guy. But now, even though you are still older than me, I'm like, ah, oh, he's just my bro now. And it's yeah. quite weird to see how we've come to doing this podcast. So I just thought I'd throw that out there yeah. because that literally just came to mind. It's like, oh, look at us mm-hmm. now, Check you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Steve, as we do our, at the end of all our podcasts, it's a prayer request. What can I and the people listening to this podcast pray for you about? So I, do you know what, at the moment, it's keeping the fire going, keeping the hunger, because mm. I am in a place now where I'm very hungry, very on fire. I feel like I have a lot more to give, and I feel like nothing's going to kind of stop me from going for it. Mm. But we, I've had that feeling before, and it's gone. And then I've had to go away somewhere to kind of get it again. Mm. I'm really hoping and praying that I can keep up this fire. You know, since I've come back, I've been getting, setting my alarm early, getting up and actually having longer devotionals than I've ever had before. And I never had the desire to do that before, really. So I'm doing that now and it's amazing. So I just want to pray that that would keep going, keep happening. And I'd grow and grow more and more, mm. kind of challenge myself more to yeah. keep going. That sounds great. And yeah, I mean, well, thank you very much, Steve, for sharing your walk with God this week. Thank you, all you guys, for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook at Our Walk. You can find us on Twitter at Our Walk Pod. Or you can contact us via email, ourwalkpod at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening again, and we'll see you very soon. Bye.